the cupbearer and the baker. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then, then Joseph said to them, do not, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it had budded, as soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you are his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried, up, carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And that is the Lord's word. Thanks, James. Good evening, everyone. Is it cold? Some people are saying they're cold. I feel a bit cold. Um, good evening, uh, especially if you're new. Welcome um, to you. Welcome to Rob. Rob is uh, uh, joining us for a little while. He's um, he's uh, training to be a lay minister. Got that right, haven't I? 
LLM. So um, he's going to be knocking around from time to time. Uh, so do say hello to him uh, at some point. Great to have you with us. Right behind the pillar. <laughs> oh, good evening, everybody. Shall we? And good evening, everybody at home. It's great to, to have you um, joining us online. Let's have our Bibles open at page uh, 44. Um, and as you find that, let me um, pray as well for us as we begin. Father God, we um, pray as we come before your word now. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to it, that you may um, teach us, lead us, encourage us, rebuke us. Uh, we pray that we'd be open to what you have to say to us tonight. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's true, isn't it, that life doesn't go in a straight line. Life doesn't go in a straight line. Um, if A is the starting point and, and B is the, the end point, it seems to go all over the place in between, doesn't it? Isn't that true? Uh, it's true in our lives, in our career paths. How many of us have started off in one career and finished up in, a, in another career? It, it happens in our, to our ambitions, uh, in our relationships, in all sorts of different ways. Um, it, A to B might seem very straightforward, but it goes in all sorts of different places all the time. I'm sure each of us can testify to some degree to this, this fact. And we're in this series uh, looking at the life of Joseph... And we've begun to see that his life is is hardly a straight line, is it? It's hardly straightforward. There are many twists and turns. There's lots of ups and downs. And today we reach, I think, what's perhaps we could consider the low point, or the lowest point. Uh, He's been sold into slavery. Uh, We've seen that he's been falsely accused of adultery. And he's been thrown into prison. And I think the story is partly there to, to ask, make us ask questions, isn't it? Like questions like, is there any sense to this life? Is there any sense? What, will any good come out of it? What's the, the point with everything that seems to be going on in my life? We're meant to perhaps engage with those kind of questions, not pass by them too quickly. And yet the story shows us, doesn't it, that God doesn't desert Joseph. Uh, The end of chapter 39, we looked at last time, it says twice that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And what we see is that it's often through the suffering, uh, often through suffering that God is preparing his people for his destiny. It's putting Joseph in the right place at the right time. And we need to remember that Joseph didn't know all this at this point. Um, He didn't know what was going to happen. We know the end uh, story, don't we? But he was having to learn to live by faith. Living by faith. What is living by faith? Well, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. And Joseph is one of those ancients that he was commended for it. 
They had to go by faith. And so do we. We have to go by faith. I was reflecting on this with uh, Chris earlier on in the week. We were talking about the passage. And he said something very helpful. He said, oh, it sounds a bit twee, but it's actually really helpful. And I thought, well, I'll share it with you. He said, um, it's not about transportation. It's about transformation. It's not about being taken out of a situation. It's actually about being transformed in a situation. I thought it was very good. And I thought I'd um, credit him with that. So thank you, Chris. Um, and it reminded me a little bit of uh, that TV uh, show, um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And I was thinking, you know, it's, uh, I'll go even tweer and say it's uh, Celebrity Patriarch, Get Me Out of Here. And he basically says that, doesn't he, halfway through, uh, when he says to the cupbearer, get me out of here. But it, it, it's true, isn't it? God is often in the business of transforming us, and often it's in those places of difficulty and pain, and it's hard. But he is readying us for eternity, A to B for B for eternity, with Christ forever. And in the fact that the real hero, one of the real heroes in this story is, is actually God, isn't it? Who is the preserver and saviour of his people. He's active in history, moving us from A to B, mostly through unseen uh, ways. And God has a plan. He's working all things out. Yes, it can be really hard. It's often very hard to understand what's going on. And yet, in Joseph's own words, to his brothers, at the end in chapter 50, is able to say, you brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, if you didn't know the story, that's how it ends. I've spoilt it if you didn't know the story, but I think a lot of people do know the story. Nothing to see takes God by surprise, does it? The evil intent in the sinful, broken, messed up world can all be used by God to serve his purposes, his salvation purposes, and ultimately bring us to eternity. We must keep this in mind. I think that's the big picture uh, as we go through the detail now of the actual uh, story as it unfolds. So let me introduce you to Joseph and his fellow prisoners. Verse 1 begins, some time later. Oh, that hits hard, doesn't it? Because it's already some time later. He's in prison. He's in a dungeon. We don't actually know how long. Uh, We can assume that it is some months. And we're told he's joined by two prisoners, the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the chief baker. And these were figures who were quite influential in Pharaoh's um, court. Um, Joseph knows nothing of what's going to happen to him yet. Bear that in mind. And so we pick the story up. Verse 4. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. How did did Joseph um, respond? Did he just laugh? Or did he say, you need to get to bed earlier? Maybe take some night all or something like that. He doesn't say that, does he? He actually shows genuine concern, doesn't he? That's quite a turnaround for Joseph, who 10 or 11 years ago was pretty unconcerned about his 
his, uh, his brothers. Verse 6, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. Verse 7, why do you look so sad? Joseph is showing sensitivity and, and compassion. But not only that, Joseph was about to be God-reflective. That sounds a bit technical, doesn't it? He was, gonna, he was in the moment going to reflect about the situation that he was in, about God. Verse 8, the two, uh, the cupbearer and the baker, say to Joseph, there is no one to interpret them, the dreams. And Joseph replies, with a reflective thinking about God, because God's on his mind, do not interpretations belong to God? Verse 8, tell me your dreams. Joseph didn't just go sort of, oh, well, very interesting, um, maybe a nice cup of tea and you'll feel better tomorrow. He doesn't say that. He, he wants to get God into the situation, doesn't he? He wants to get God into situations. And so we want to get God into situations. Um, he, he, he responds um, quickly. And often uh, the way that we respond, the reflex response that we have to a situation, tells us about where our own hearts are and where we are with, with God. And Joseph's split-second response is profoundly God-dependent. I want to bring God into this situation. Do we have that kind of God-reflective response in situations? I don't know whether we do. I've been struggling with this myself. I missed an opportunity the other day, and I kind of could have kicked myself. I was thinking about it afterwards. Um, Hannah and I are, are trying to sell our house in Carlisle, and it's not going particularly well. And Hannah and I have been talking about how we've just got to be, we've got to be patient. Patient with God in this situation. Anyway, the, the, the agent phoned, and uh, uh, Linda, she's a lovely lady, and she gave us an update and said, oh, things are going a bit slow. And I said, well, we need to be patient, don't we? Uh, and she then said, I, I wish all my clients were as patient as you. <laughs> I'm not sure how patient I was being. But anyway, I, in my head, I was thinking, if only I just said, well... God wants us to be patient, doesn't he? If only I'd just been a bit more God-reflective in that situation and just went on a bit further and said, well, because I think God wants us to be reflect patient. I missed that opportunity. God sometimes wants us to be reflective in all sorts of situations, and sometimes we miss it. Turning to God in all circumstances, it, it becomes a habit for us. Is it your habit? I don't know. You can maybe answer that. Joseph had clearly learned. And so he says, do not all the interpretations belong to God. All interpretations belong to the Lord God. Remember, here, he's in Egypt. Uh, He's not in in, uh, Canaan. He's not in uh, where the people of God are. He is in, in Egypt. So this statement in itself is quite sort of in your face, isn't it? If you think about it, it's quite in your face. Um, he's saying our God is the only true God who can give you an interpretation. Maybe quite a risky thing to say in Egypt, isn't it? Um, in, in Egypt, they had many gods with their kind of pseudo-specialists and uh, dream books and all sorts of kind, kind of things. And it's not that far, is it, removed from the culture that we find ourselves in here in, in London. Cultures with clairvoyance, mystics, dream interpreters you can go to, card readers, all sorts of things. 
straight out, Joseph says, our God has the power and only he can understand the situation. It's the same for us today. We want to understand our situation, we want to understand life and what it means. Our God knows. So that's that's the cupbearer of the baker. Joseph meets them. And now, secondly, Joseph interprets their dream. First, Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream. Turns out to be good. Scooby-Doo. It's brilliant. Um, Notice how confident Joseph is in his interpretation. Why is he confident? Because it was from God. Nevertheless, he's still in prison, isn't he? He's still in prison. I'm a celebrity patriarch. Get me out of here. Verse 14. When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcefully carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in dungeon. You know what's going on here? Joseph is still restless about his circumstances. That, that restlessness that doesn't just simply evaporate because he's trusting in God. He's still wrestling as a faithful disciple of the living God. But he's still restless. He still wants to get out of the situation. Wrestling with circumstances not of our choosing or making with a God who says, I am with you, I am with you, and I have plans for you. And, and you see, it's actually in that moment, isn't it, in that wrestling, knowing that God is with you, that when growth actually happens, it's the transformation starts to happen in us. Yet, yes, we long to get out of that situation, and rightly so, but we also accept that God may have put us in that situation for a reason, for his hidden purposes, his hidden hand of God, working things out. Yes, we're not settling for the effects of sin and evil. Don't settle for that. Be restless about that. But accepting that God will work his plans out, his perfect plan for your good purposes to take you from A to B, for eternity to be with him forever. All about the baker. That's a good name, baker. But what about the bakers? What about the baker? He comes along, um, having heard the positive news of the cupbearer, and he's probably thinking, ah, oh, this is going to work out um, really well. Um, he tells Joseph the dream with the same confidence from God. Joseph um, gives him the interpretation, and, and it's bad news, isn't it, for the baker? What is Joseph doing here? Well, we have to remember here in this situation that Joseph is declaring God's word on these dreams. He's declaring God's word on these dreams as God's spokesperson, which is a message often, isn't it, of both life and of death. God's word always actually has a double-edged, a double-edged equality to it. 
And it's often hard for us to, to wrestle with that. Um, Joseph, in some ways, reminds us of Jesus, doesn't he? When he speaks, he constantly speaks to every generation about heaven yes, and hell. About grace and truth. Uh, of eternal life and judgment. Both bad news and uh, good news. Both. And sometimes, in an attempt to always be positive, we sometimes find excuses to get around the harder things that the Bible has to say. And Jesus doesn't do it. And Joseph didn't do it. He could have gone, oh no, this is a bad interpretation, and hide it. But he didn't. Now we're going to have a, a, pause for a moment and have a sermon interlude. <laughs> I've never done a sermon interlude. Don't worry, I'm not going to do a song and dance. Um, but th- there's a question perhaps you have tonight around dreams. And I think it's important that we just take a moment to think about dreams. It raises the issue uh, about dreams. Uh, how does God communicate to us today? Um, does he still speak to us through dreams? Well, there's a few things to say here, and I have to go quite quickly. But briefly, the Bible t- tells us isn't it, that God communicates by, uh, firstly, he, he communicates by acts of power, through creation, through the floods, things like um, going through uh, the exodus out of Egypt. He, he communicated in that way. He also communicates by revelation to people. He spoke directly uh, through Moses, through the prophets, and sometimes God revealed himself through visions and dreams. And dreams needed interpreting. And so Joseph is is an example. Uh, Daniel is another great example you can look at in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, what do we have? Well, strictly speaking, there are only six dreams recorded in the New Testament, which is, I shouldn't do a quiz, that's not really very fair. Um, five of those, well, all six of them are in Matthew, and five of them are in the Nativity. You might not have known that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, visions, dreams... But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The author of Hebrews is pointing out the, the fullness of the revelation now complete in the coming of Jesus Christ. The Spirit reveals the Son and all truth through the apostles, the the disciples, as Jesus taught, as we have recorded in the New Testament, as John 16 says. So in one sense, there is no further revelation is needed. The Bible is not being written today. It is complete. It is sufficient for salvation. In our hands, in your hands where you sat, we have the revelation of God, inspired and preserved 
to teach and direct God's people in every generation. But also, the Holy Spirit may use dreams today in a, in a different way that isn't God's revelation capital R. And perhaps to unsettle us, it might be that he may do that, to, to nudge us, to apply his word to us in some way. Or he may arouse for us um, a search for Jesus. Is that not some of the testimony that we hear out of uh, some of the Muslim countries where there is a closed society? You hear people having dreams, searching for this Jesus. Part of God's amazing uh, way of using regular human activity in supernatural ways. What should you do if you have a dream and you think that a recurring dream, perhaps you think that that it might be uh, something that God is saying to you through his spirit. Well, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Firstly, the Bible says we should weigh and test that. How should we do that? We weigh and test it against the scriptures, but we do that with perhaps a, a trusted friend or a leader or me or Chris or your small group leader, wherever you might find that help to pray through it. You might want to talk more to me or or Chris or others afterwards about that interlude over. Finally, third, the dream comes true. The dream comes true. The dreams come true. Every interpretation of Joseph's proved true. And you can imagine how that must have been encouraging to him. Um, For 11 years, he'd had his own dream, remember, in in chapter 37. He had his own dream. And it must have been really a a kind of corroboration of evidence that this dream of his is now, his dream is going to come true. Uh, He thought maybe this must be his moment. The cupbearer is back at Pharaoh's side. He's going to speak up for me. Here we go. Get me out of here. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. There's nothing worse than being forgotten, is there? I think most of us have experienced it at some point. Nothing worse than being let down. People let us down all the time. I'm sure we can think of examples. People make great promises to call us, to visit us, to marry us, to love us, to support us, to promote us, to give us a pay rise. They make promises. We're not good at keeping promises. Even when we are well-meaning, we have a habit of falling through. Eventually... There's a sense, isn't there, eventually we all fall through, eventually. After all, we have a habit of dying, in a sense. And so we experience the ultimate desertion, in a way. But here we know the end of the story. Uh, For we know that God did not forget Joseph. We know he didn't forget him. 
When our Lord Jesus was crucified and buried in a tomb, people may well have said, well, that's it then. Um, And certainly those on the road to Emmaus, you know that bit in Luke 24, they did say, we thought he was going to be the one to deliver us. The cupbearer forgot. Our friends may forget us and forget our circumstances that we're going through. You might be going through some really difficult circumstances and you might feel forgotten. But remember this, God never forgets you. He never forgets you. He has not forgotten what you are going through. He has not forgotten your circumstances. And he will never forget. He has a plan to save. And he will bring it to pass. He will get you from A to B. And one day, Joseph here will be exalted to one of the highest places at Pharaoh's side in order to fulfill God's promises. Maybe you're here this evening and you feel God has forgotten you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Remember Joseph. Remember this story. Remember in, the re- in your wrestling. Remember God's purpose. Doesn't go in a straight line. It never goes in a straight line. But he always gets you from A to B. He will get you to A to B at your intended destination. He says it here. And he will always say it. God, our Father, we come before you uh, recognising we do not see as you see. We cannot understand everything that happens to us. Why there are delays, why there are the, the path from A to B is so sometimes convoluted and there's so many struggles and ups and downs, Father. But we come before you and pray that you will help us to live by faith, knowing that your promises are sure. You did that for Joseph and we see it, that you meant it for good. And we pray that we'll trust in you now, knowing that you mean everything for your purposes to be good. That you'll bring us to your eternal glory through the Lord Jesus. Amen.